Welcome home, roommates. You are listening to In Joe's Room. I'm Joe. Thanks for stopping by. Uh, This week, I'm really excited to share with you a couple of different things. Uh, The first thing we're going to be talking about is an embarrassing, crazy story uh, that involves blood and gore and violence uh, and crazy uh, mishaps that have happened. And then we're going to get into professional wrestling. (laughs) And so... um, If that intro didn't do it any service, definitely stay tuned. You are definitely in for an interesting treat this week. Uh, If you haven't done so already, I would definitely recommend checking out that preview episode. It gives you a little bit more insight as to why I call this podcast In Joe's Room. Uh, To kind of summarize, In Joe's Room, the name comes from a song uh, that my friends and I kind of wrote, kind of not, I don't want to say write it as though it's like an awesome song, but it was like a funny kind of inside joke. And so for me to use that as a way for, uh, a way, like a jumping off point from this podcasting experience, there's no better way because it's a silly type of song. It's a silly type of thing that, uh, my friends and I shared, and now I'm sharing it with you. And just like this podcast, it's a silly, I don't know what it is. It kind of just exists out there. And so uh, wherever this kind of road takes us, it's that's where we're going. And so uh, if you're out there and you're listening, please definitely... Um, you know, give me some feedback, you know, throw me a thumbs up or give me a shout out somewhere. Let me know that you're listening. Uh, It definitely encourages me to continue to do this. And I want to thank all of you who have already done so. Uh, And it really does, like I said, encourages me that I want to continue doing this because it's something that, you know, I, I think that I can get better at. And I want to continue doing this more regularly and, uh, and more often and even with, uh, with better quality. But until then, you're stuck with how I'm doing it. <laughs> uh, but thank you for listening. Uh, let's get right into it. All right, here we go. All right, so I want to kind of get right into it. Um, one of the questions from the interview questions list that I asked myself in the last episode had a question on there that um, I thought required like its own time slot (laughs) and it was the question was this um, tell an embarrassing story I mean I embarrass myself more often than I am proud of um, but one thing that I am not embarrassed about but whenever I get asked that question or, uh, you know, like an icebreaker type question, I'm always uh, the first story that comes to mind for me is the story of how I survived a stabbing. Yeah, you heard me right. I am a stabbing survivor. I was violently stabbed. I survived that injury and I live to tell the tale. Now, with that said, um, <laughs> the reason why it's embarrassing is because it's not like, oh, like, yeah, I was in a big rumble like West Side Story or The Outsiders or anything like that. No, um, well, kind of. <laughs> it was, in fact, theatrical, uh, like West Side Story. Um, I, it was during my uh, time as a musical theater enthusiast and someone uh, who you know, spent time performing in shows and uh, musicals and uh, things of that nature. And and so in one of the most embarrassing, uh, craziest stories of my life, I was 
in a show in college, and I was stabbed. <laughs> uh, and so I wanted to take the time to tell the story the right way uh, from what I can remember. And now this is going on about, uh, in fact, about 11 years. 11 years ago this happened. And um, to tell you the truth, uh, I, I tell, I've told the story and have retold the story. And um, I almost know the story by heart from what I think I remember. But to be honest with you, I think that the vivid memories have kind of subsided and it's now just what I remember telling. Uh, but here we go. Um, so I began doing musical theater uh, when I was in middle school. Uh, the first musical that I was actually in, like a full-on musical, uh, was um, uh, Wizard of Oz, but it was like a weird uh, interpretation of it. Now, I don't want to say weird because it was bad, but it was like, you know, the junior version of Wizard of Oz, and it wasn't like like the... Um, you know, the trademark music, like Judy Garland, you know, version of it, you know, Somewhere Over the Rainbow type stuff. Like, it was, like, offshoot songs. Uh, in any case, uh, I was Toto, <laughs> and um, I was, that was, I mean, of course, I think that's kind of more embarrassing than me being stabbed, that I was a dog for almost three hours on stage, and it was, you know, it is what it is. Um, but that gave me a little bit of a taste of how different musical theater was from either both. Like, because, you know, I was uh, in chorus uh, in elementary school, and so I knew what singing performance is like. And then before I was in The Wizard of Oz, I was in A Christmas Carol, and I was Tiny Tim. And that gave me a little uh, taste of um, stage acting. But putting the two together, it's so different. And so that gave me the drive to want to pursue at least uh, musical theater as a hobby. And that, you know, led me to do more shows here and there. Um, and before I went into college, I was in about, I think, probably about 10 shows or so. Um, and, you know, I've had minor roles here and there. I've had solos here and there. And um, it all culminated when I went to college. And, you know, when I, I went to... Uh, away to school, and I went to a college where, you know, I wasn't going there as, you know, a theater major or anything like that, like that, um, you know, it was more that it was a hobby of mine, and I found a, a club of mu a student-run musical theater, and it was a way for me to kind of, you know, have fun doing something that I've been doing at that point for nearly 10 years, you know, and so when I was cast in this show, uh, the show was Aida, uh, it was about a Nubian princess uh, being taken into uh, slavery from an Egyptian um, royal or noble family, and it's this whole thing about forbidden love and all of this stuff, and I happen to be one of the more prominent roles. Uh, but spoiler alert, my character uh, is a Nubian slave in Egypt, and he uh, tries to, you know, um, encourage the princess to retake her honorable place in society and is about, you know, freeing her people 
and at the end, I give my life for this cause um, in a violent way. Um, and so part of being in this type of production with this type of scene is the preparation, is the rehearsal. Uh, and so we rehearsed the fight scene over and over and over again. Um, we had choreographers and directors who have dealt with, um, you know, fighting, you know, and, you know, fight scenes. Um, and we had prop swords, you know, and so we knew that the swords that we were using were safe to use. Um, and so at the end of the show, there's the big sword fight and a whole bunch of people, you know, end up getting killed in the, in the, in the show, you know, the characters themselves, um, and what ended up happening was that um, one of the, char- the main characters who uh, is the big bad guy, he um, is the one who's responsible for killing my character. Now, the, the dude who played that guy, really nice guy, um, he was a senior at the time in college and I was a freshman in college. It was his last show. It was my first show. Um, and he really wanted, I don't know where he got this prop sword from, but it ended up not being a prop sword. It was one of those walking canes with a big bird at the end of it, you know, and like that, like the bird's beak and the head and the beak were like, you know, the curve of the cane. And it was this, this walking cane that he used because his character was supposed to be like an old man, but it ended up being that there was a sword inside of the cane. You know, and you, so you pull, like, the handle, and, you know, the sword uh, becomes released from the sheath, and that was the sword that he chose to use. Um, we practiced with the sword over and over and over again for probably close to two, three months or so, um, and even the week leading up to the show, uh, you know, we practiced the fight scenes and all the fight scenes. We practiced it in half speed, a quarter speed. We even practiced it once in double speed just to make sure that we knew all the choreography um, correctly and we did it properly and we wanted to make sure we were all safe. Um, Needless to say, there was a mishap. And so um, what I'm supposed to do, and it's hard for me to do this over um, a microphone because like if I'm in front of you telling the story face to face I'm like doing the visual so you can visualize it but I'm going to try to do it as best as I can and like I said I've told the story over and over and over again uh, that I feel like I'm kind of just like relaying the lines to you but at the same time um, you know it's a little bit of a challenge for me to kind of uh, visualize it in my head and relay it to you without the, my manual gestures. Anyway, um, so both of my hands are on my sword because I'm this feeble old, not old, but I'm in this weak slave and that's going, going up against a big bad guy, right? And so I have my sword, both hands, and I'm extending it forward. Like, and so I'm exposing my whole entire torso. At that point, um, in real life, the guy who's supposed to... Um, pretend stab me is supposed to find a window from between my extended hand and my torso and at that point when I see that the sword is around my arm I'm supposed to lower my arm really quickly as to 
hug the sword that's gone, like, you know, away from me. And from my recollection, I thought that maybe he dropped the sword and accidentally punched me in the rib. And so I thought he was just going with it. And so I felt this huge pain right in my side. Um, And then uh, we just carried on with the scene. Like I felt like he punched me in the side and then I hugged the sword like I'm supposed to, uh, making it uh, seem like, you know, I got stabbed. Uh, and then I fall to the ground. And then in the show, my character is supposed to die in the princess's arms. And I have this, um, this my, my last dying breath. I, I, I tell the princess, princess, take me home. You know, and like that's supposed to be my dying lines, you know, and it's this whole thing that like, you know, I fought, you know, to get out of slavery to try to go home. Um, And really like in my even in my dying efforts, I uh, my character was still focusing on liberation and being free from oppression and whatnot. Cool. I'm looking at uh, the actress who's playing the princess, and she's crying, crying, crying. And oh, and one detail I forgot to mention: this happened. This happened on the very last show of like a six-show run. So we had six different shows. I be- I believe it was six, um, and you know, like every single day we did the show, you know, we practice the scene over and over again uh, everyone felt comfortable it wasn't like we were like you know uh improving a sword fight and so anyway the last it's like the, the last scene of the very last performance and i'm looking up at this girl who's playing this princess but really she's crying because she saw exactly with her own eyes what happened like up close she saw that i got stabbed and that I fell to the ground, like, for real. And so this is where it gets a little hazy. From my recollection, she's crying because she saw what happened and that she immediately, you know, I'm supposed to, she's supposed to, like, hug me. But instead, I thought that she went to go, like, check on my my body to see what happened. Um, and that's when I felt that something hurt. And that's when I, you know, I instinctively, like, put my hand on my side. And that's when I felt I got wet. And I'm like, what spilled? Uh, And obviously, you're ahead of me at this point. I look down at my hand, and I see that I'm wet with my own blood. And that the girl is crying because I'm bleeding. Um, And then, like I said, when I told this story from what I remembered, and I corroborated it with uh, the actress, you know, um my friend uh, who who was playing the princess and she and I from what I remember she said yeah that's exactly what happened and so when I say that I thought that she was addressing the wound I thought that she was trying to put pressure on the wound um when I told that story to my friends were like I don't think that's accurate I mean who I mean I thought she was maybe just freaking out you know and so from my recollection she was trying to help me out in real life and then I look at her and I give her a little nod that like, okay, say your line so that I can say my line so that we can get off the stage because I don't want to stop the show, right? And so I end up finishing my lines. I say, princess, take me home. And I, like, when I said it, 
I could tell in my voice I was super shaky. So from the audience perspective, they were like, wow, these guys are really intense. <laughs> these, these college amateurs are just really into it, you know. But for me, I'm just like, uh, I am like shaking. I'm in shock. I want to get off the stage as soon as I can. And so when the lights go out, I jump up and I run to the side and I'm screaming for help, help, help. Um, now, in the auditorium, the band, the pit orchestra, uh, was not in front of the stage like you know you would normally see in like a big size auditorium. It's a small little community theater, um, maybe 200 seats or something like that. Um, so the pit orchestra had to be behind the curtain. So I'm like, like asking for help, help, help. You know, I got hurt, I got hurt. Um, I'm cursing up a storm. And then all of a sudden, I start getting really woozy, like right away. And then I start falling. And then uh, it ended up being, uh, I believe he was the bassist. Or he was some musician in the back. Big burly guy. He like helped me. He and another one of the actors, one of the extra, I say extra, one of the ensemble actors, picked me up and uh, carried me from the uh, a basement auditorium all the way up to a courtyard where um, someone called the, uh, the campus um, ambulance or the EMTs uh, or the EMSs. Um, and then they came and they brought me to the hospital and they saw that I had a puncture wound about an inch and a quarter uh, toward my lung. And that if it had gone any, not any further, but it had, if it was on its way for sure, I could have punctured a lung. Luckily, it was just a, a flesh wound. Uh, and it was something that they were able to just stitch up and I had to stay in the hospital overnight. Uh, a couple of the people, uh, a couple of the people from the musical theater club came by and checked on me. One guy, uh, Dave, this, this guy, Dave, he, uh, really nice guy. Um, he, he just, uh, stayed overnight with me to make sure that I was all right. And he brought me home the next day, uh, back to campus, I mean, uh, and yeah, they really did a good job of taking care of me, you know? Um, and so, uh, another thing with that whole craziness was that, uh, well, I had a, a buddy of mine, Dylan, he, um, uh, he was visiting at the time because, um, you know, he wanted to visit the college campus and, you know, just hanging out and, you know, doing the whole college thing and going to parties and stuff. And so he was visiting, um, that weekend, and he had seen the show on Saturday night. Oh, no, I'm sorry. This was Friday. He came Friday. He he showed up on a Friday night, saw the show, went out and partied with us afterwards, and then we spent all day Saturday just hanging out, and then he went back. We went back to the show on Saturday night uh, to do our Saturday night performance. And so um, he saw the show twice, and so he right away knew that something was wrong once I got stabbed. Um, and he, like, right away was like, hey, we, we should do something about this. Uh, and so he came in the ambulance with me. Um, <laughs> he helped me call, like, my family and let them, let them know what was going on. And, um, you know, uh, it was just one of those things where it was like, at least I had a piece of home with me. Uh, and... He helped me get back to uh, where I was from Philadelphia, uh, back here to Long Island. And so um, he helped me out there. 
uh, and it was crazy to to think that um, <laughs> something as silly as musical theater uh, brought me to an experience that I still talk about, and that's not like, oh man, I had all these awards, or I had all these uh, roles where I was like the star of the show, or anything like that, like, no, I was that weird, you know, character you know, had a couple songs, a couple solos here and there, but at the end, he he got stabbed. <laughs> and so that's my crazy stabbing story. This week, I wanted to break down a couple of different things uh, that I mentioned in uh, the preview episode. And the one thing that I want to focus on this week is uh, my love for professional wrestling. Now, that's something that a lot of people are not into, especially uh, my circle of friends and the people that I interact with. I mean, I'm pretty much a lone wolf when it comes to uh, you know, loving wrestling to the degree that I love and enjoy wrestling. Uh, and it is something that really only my wife Natalie can attest to, um, to the to a a very specific degree. Just because she sees me watch it week to week, you know, multiple di- days, you know, throughout the week, um, she hears me talking about it and about all these different events that go on and uh, how invested I am in all the stories and, you know, me following, you know, the wrestling companies and specific wrestlers, um, you know, on social media and all of that. And like, it's pretty much embedded into my everyday life. Like legitimately, it is what it is. You know, it's something that I nerd out on um, pretty regularly. And if ever... I come across someone who mentions professional wrestling, you know, you know, it's one of those things where like, you know, and I don't mean to sound arrogant. I don't mean to sound like a know-it-all, but like, yeah, I can pretty much guarantee that like, I can talk for hours and hours about it, you know, uh, and that um, most people will, you know, when they say that, oh yeah, I know of professional wrestling, they're kind of like the casual fan. But for me, you know, it's been a, like a lifelong thing. And so, um, I don't want to get into anything specific because I know it's like, like I said, it's such like a, a small following in terms of the people who probably listen to this podcast. Um, you know, unless I geared it towards a wrestling podcast, which I don't think I'm going to, uh, it's going to be one of those periodic things where I'm going to, you know, break down a couple of different, uh, important events or important people. And so, um, part of what I plan on doing is maybe, uh, going through some classic matches and, you know, at the same time of me watching the match, kind of giving you my own play-by-play type of thing, I'll go into, you know, some of like the history behind, uh, whatever wrestlers wrestling or the people who are, you know, who are influencing, uh, the, the industry as it is now and, you know, some of those things. But for now, for this week, since we really are just starting out, uh, I want to go into why I became a wrestling fan, how it is uh, becoming what it is becoming today, you know, because it's very different. And, and I mean, uh, we're going to get into the little bit of the history with it. So it is a little informational here, but I want I also want to keep it personal, you know. Um, so for me, I've literally been surrounded by wrestling uh, my whole entire life. Now I, I'm I'm saying this because like yeah, my older siblings watched it when they were kids, 
Uh, and so when I was born, I, I, I am the, I'm the fifth child of overall six children. And so by the time I was born, there were four other siblings, you know, already, you know, within their childhood. In fact, uh, two of my siblings at that point were already teenagers and I had two other, my, the other two siblings, um, you know, were young children. Um, when I was born, it was 89 and I had a brother who was, um, eight years old, um, 10 years old. Uh, and then I believe it was like 14 and 15, I think something like that. I don't know. Um, and anyway, so I had these people, you know, back in 1989. So this is Hulk Hogan in his prime Hulk Hogan, you know, stage, and so Hulk Hogan had become, at that point, a household name. He had made uh, wrestling an industry that was marketable to families, you know, between, you know, say your prayers and eat your vitamins and he's a real American, you know. You know, like that's the Hulk Hogan that people, you know, know and love from back in the 80s, you know. And of course, like that was like the poster child or the poster boy for like the wrestling industry. And so it became huge at that point, you know. And so like Hulk Hogan, like you watch it on, you know, Saturday main event, you know, or oh the Saturday programming. You know, there was like the cartoons and then professional wrestling. You know, and so it was always around, you know, at the same time, of course, you know, you can't mention a Hulk Hogan without mentioning uh, Ric Flair, you know, and like Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, you know, and like Andre the Giant, of course, you know, and so like those are like the wrestlers that were all that had already made names for themselves um, at that at that point. And I'm like, there's so many others. Right. And so. uh in fact, really quickly in my family's kind of uh, upbringing, uh, my dad used to invite a priest from our church over on Sundays when they had uh, monthly pay-per-views. Uh, and <laughs> my dad would order the pay-per-view uh, wrestling event on a Sunday night, uh, invite the priest over. The priest would come over and have food or whatever, and like, and they would just watch the wrestling pay-per-views. <laughs> and like, it was this big thing. You know, this is before I was born or whatever. And so when I was born, like my, my older siblings were watching it. My older brothers were watching it. Um, and like, so I have like these early, early memories of like certain uh, professional wrestlers, um, just they were just always around. Now you fast forward a little bit, uh, and then you're getting into when I was a young child, still continuing to watch it like all the time. Wrestling blew up, like exploded into mainstream everywhere, everywhere you looked, there was something with wrestling, you know, and this is like the, you know, mid 90s at this point. And so you're getting into more um, edgy material, like pushing the envelope uh, for television. And you had uh, two huge companies, WCW and WWF at the time, World Wrestling Federation, uh, later turned their, you know, changed to WWE, World Wrestling Entertainment. And so for all intents and purposes, I'm just going to just continue to call them WWE. Anyway, so you had these two huge companies, right? Um, and they were 
you know, competing for like the Monday night ratings. And, you know, so they were always trying to go over the top with what they were doing in their regular programming. To, at that point, a kid in elementary school who had been watching it his whole entire life up to, you know, up until then. Yeah, I'm going to get into uh, this mainstream explosion of wrestling popularity, you know, and everywhere you go, you had names like, you know, The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin, D-Generation X, um, you know, Hollywood Hulk Hogan was, you know, uh, Hollywood Hogan rather, um, in WCW, you know, the NWO. I mean, you, you look around at around the mid nineties to late nineties, there was NWO, uh, t-shirts everywhere. And it mean, it is what it is. It was mainstream popularity everywhere you looked was professional wrestling. And so that became like what was cool back then. You know, it was the epitome of, what it meant to be part of like pop culture, you know, to be into professional wrestling. And so that was when I was like, what, you know, a, a smaller kid up until, you know, um, when what in, I was always a WWE guy. Um, I, it, it, for some reason it was just, I, I always was, I was always drawn to WWE and not really WCW. I watched it because I liked wrestling. I watched WCW, um, every now and again, just because, you know, I like some of the wrestlers who were there, but for some reason I always just was just drawn to WWE, even though, you know, there are some people who will say, oh yeah, no, WCW was better. Or even like some of the more diehard fans, uh, passionate fans will tell you that ECW was better, which was, which was never televised uh, locally where I was. Um, you'd have to like get it on pay-per-view. You'd have to, at, at that time, there's oh, people who were like, <clears throat> excuse me, People who um, were really into wrestling were tape traders. So people who would, you know, videotape, you know, wrestling pay-per-views would trade it or wrestling events would trade it with people who had other wrestling events that they never saw. Because they're like, this is before the internet or before the, what the internet is now. This is before on-demand um, wrestling. And so, like, I can go on YouTube and look up so many different, you know, wrestling um matches and wrestling events that I had never seen. Oh my gosh. I mean, if you want to talk about like how big like backyard wrestling and independent wrestling was where it was not televised, but you had up and coming wrestlers who were wrestling. Um, like it's so available now that, you know, uh, it's reshaped what the industry is now going back then, you know, you really only had what you was available to you. And so WWE, WCW, those are the two big ones. ECW was there, and I knew it was cool. I knew it was too violent for me. My parents fought tooth and nail to try and prevent me from watching wrestling because, because you know, point blank, it was like rated R material, and I knew it, you know, and that's maybe why I was so drawn to it. Um, but at the same time, you know, like... I my argument always always like well we all, we've always been watching wrestling I've always watched this so they kind of you know it was a losing battle for them um, now fast forward just a little bit more and I'm now a teenager in high school and f- far fewer people are watching wrestling at that point uh, and especially because WWE 
pretty much won the like the wrestling war so to speak and became like the end all be all you know uh, you know uh wrestling promotion wrestling company and it was definitively like the only game in town where you could find you know quality wrestling footage you know like i said you can go deep and you know look at like independent wrestling and people like you know die hard passionate wrestling fans will say oh yeah well you know that's when you know ring of honor was awesome or and like yeah, of course ring of honor is still pretty cool uh, or like oh man real wrestling you want you got to look at mexico or 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 japan or or even canada you know, and I'm like, hey, well, you know what? This is what's available to me now. I'm in New York, and and of all places, New York was always like the central uh, location for um, world wrestling entertainment, even back when it was just the territories. And again, I don't want to get into the whole big wrestling history lesson, but it is what it is. A, a kid from Long Island, New York, Nassau Coliseum is just an hour away, not even an hour, um, you know. <clears throat> excuse me but you know uh it's just always been there for me uh even when i was a teenager and i was like the only kid or the only dude at that point who i knew was still watching week to week monday night raw and smackdown and uh this is when john cena you know made his way in um and at that point um became like a household name in his own right you know, and so you the torch was passed from guys like uh, Hulk Hogan to The Rock to now John Cena, and of course I'm not I'm I'm glossing over some like really important names. You know, uh, my favorite wrestler of all time is Shawn Michaels, um, and it, and has been for a very very long time, um, and his inspiration, like I said, uh, it was Ric Flair, uh, you know, some other guys like. You know, uh, The Undertaker, Triple H, Degeneration X, you know, like these are also big names that are like, of course, very important to me. But in terms of telling this story the way that, you know, it should be told, I have to mention like the quote unquote household name. So at that point, The Rock had made his way into Hollywood. Stone Cold Steve Austin um, retired and was kind of in and out and kind of doing more just character work for wrestling industry. Um, and John Cena was like the next household name. And as a wrestling fan, that's more of a polarizing thing because part of you wants to say, oh yeah, I remember when John Cena was like the coolest thing and was like the guy that we were all rooting for. And like, that was me because I was a teenager and it was like, oh man, John Cena is awesome. He's going to be like the next big thing, you know? But then when wrestling decided you know what we want to be more for families we want to be more for the kids we want to merchandise more toys we want to be a more positive influence on the younger viewership well that means you're stepping away from the rated r rating uh and you're stepping into more you know let's call it not as cool type of things you know, and so John Cena becomes another type of Hulk Hogan figure where he's like that larger than life superhero, like standing up for good things, you know, overcoming the odds. And that becomes like what wrestling was looked at at that time. And so you had all these young kids who were looking at like rated R stuff on a week to week basis. 
Uh, and it's some really raunchy stuff from, you know, from back in the day, even like until now, you know, um, now they're teenagers and now you're kind of watering it down, going back to, you know, pandering to children. And so I don't blame a lot of the people my own age for saying, oh yeah, I was into wrestling back in the day, but kind of stopped being cool. And I'm like, well, yeah, you know, you're right. But for me, it had always been around since I was really, since I was born, I'd always been watching it. And so like, I'd never really stopped. Uh, and then fast forward, I'm in college once again, like, you know, I'm one of very few people who had been watching it their whole entire life. Um, you know, I ha I came from like a family that like, you know, my brother supported me watching wrestling, but like my parents never like took me or like, you know, to like wrestling shows like that I always wanted to go to. Oh man, they're going to NASA. I want to go. I want to go. I'm like, no, sorry. Madison Square Garden, hour away, hour train ride. Sorry. I don't really go to those things. Um, and so like I had gone to one uh, live event at that point, but like, you know, uh, I kept it really to myself, you know? Uh, and even in like after college, I was still just watching it here and there and fast forward to even now, you know, I'm still a huge passionate fan, um, to the point that, like I said, you know, I, I know for a fact that, you know, um, I, I don't want to sound arrogant or anything, but I know that I'm an expert, you know, I'm, that's one thing that I know that I'm an expert on is professional wrestling, um, and so, yeah, I mean, even though it's not the most popular thing in the world, I, I'm going to try to embrace the fact that, like, yeah, I'm an expert in this. It's something that I love. It's something that I enjoy. And I think that this is a way for me to, from now on, you know, maybe I'll do it like once a month or something like that. But, um, you know, I'll try to do some wrestling um, geared uh, segments or, you know, you know, talking points where, like I said, some of the more bigger things I think I'm going to try to break down. Um, but, we, you know, we'll see where it goes from here. And so um, I really do appreciate your time <laughs> talking about this crazy stuff. And even if you didn't enjoy it, you know, uh, talking about like the history of wrestling, at least, you know, you have another little more, a, a deeper insight of who I am and how, you know, how it is I uh, have acquired such a weird um, sort of hobby, <laughs> you know, it's also, it's also kind of like really weird, right? Going from, uh, you know, I, I, I'm coming from, uh, in my, in my last segment there talking about musical theater and singing and dancing on stage. And now I'm talking about fighting and wrestling, but like when it kind of took, bring it all full circle, it's all performance. And like, that's one of the bigger things that, you know, whenever I tell someone that I'm a professional wrestling fan, a lot of people will say, oh, well, and I, I cringe at it like a wrestling fan should when they say, and I know a lot of you are already there thinking about it. Well, isn't wrestling fake? Well, you know that when we're watching, let's say, um, a Broadway show, um, like that character who's dying on stage, he's not really dead. <laughs> you know, like I played a character on stage uh, that was supposed to be stabbed and killed. Now, I didn't have to get stabbed and killed multiple times uh, in order for an audience to believe that that character um, in the story is 
the person who was stabbed and killed. Just like in professional wrestling. It's storytelling. It's, uh, it's telling a, a story using uh, physicality and athleticism. Um, it, it's telling a narrative in a way that isn't just dialogue and it isn't just, you know, writing. Yes, there's writing involved. Yes, there's acting involved and all of that performance. But there's more to it than that. And so for me to defend wrestling in a way that I can at least come across as not an arrogant, well, you just don't understand. Well, no, it really is like I look at it like a performance that I can look at it from a standpoint where I'm analyzing what the writers are writing and how they're telling the stories that they're telling. I can analyze it as uh, the the wrestlers' performances, you know? Uh, and also, like, to see, like, yeah, you know what? I have my favorites, and I root for my favorites, kind of like any sport, right? Uh, you go to a football game, and you have those diehard Giants fans or Patriots fans or whoever, right? And they root for their team, you know, and, and obviously in the professional sports, like the outcome is not uh, fake. You know, it's a real outcome. Well, you know, you can suspend your disbelief in professional wrestling because you, you're not the writer. You're not the uh, person in that small committee who knows what's going to happen. So even though that the outcome is predetermined, um, you're, if you're watching it in real time, you don't know what's going to happen. And so you're still going to want to root for the athletes who are your favorite. And you might want to wear their merchandise. You might want to, uh, you know, um, yell at the TV or yell at the bad guy or the person that you're rooting against, right? Just like a sporting event. And so when I look at professional wrestling, you know, it, it's something that takes a lot of these elements from a lot of things that a lot of people like, um, and they put it all into one package where, you know, I'm not going to say it's perfect. It's not. And, you know, I'm not going to go ahead and be one of those, um, you know, wrestling uh, reporters or journalists who kind of, you know, think that they're the experts and they know better and blah, 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 and, you know, and, and do a lot of these critiques. Like, I could do that, but I'm not going to, you know. Uh, instead, I'm going to share why I love what I love. Um, and if next episode or the couple episodes after this one, uh, we're going to do a little bit of a deeper dive into some specific matches or some specific events or storylines or things that are going on right now. Um, you know, I hope that you'll still give it a listen, give it a chance, um, because, you know, it, there is something there. <laughs> I, I wouldn't uh, post something or, you know, put something in this podcast if there wasn't something that I thought was of value that anyone could just, you know, grab and kind of go, you know. Uh, and so that does it for this episode. I really do uh, thank you for your time. Uh, please, at this time, you know, definitely give me a, a thumbs up or even if it's a thumbs down, give me some type of comment or feedback. Uh, and I, I welcome any type of feedback, even if you have some suggestions or some things that you're noticing that you think I should be doing or should be doing better or different, you know, let me know. I, I, I'm open to, you know, making this podcasting experience uh, as best as it could be. Uh, and even though I joked about it uh, in the last episode, I really do um, appreciate your honesty. And, you know, so far I've gotten, like I said, some mixed stuff where 
people are saying like, oh, you know, I think you should do it like this. Or, hey, you know, I noticed that you're not doing this. You know, something like that. Like, I'm, I'm open to it. All right. And so uh, I am really excited uh, to post another episode. Uh, really thank you for stopping by. Uh, until then, peace out, roommates.